Anybody ever seen the movie Pollyanna? <laughs> it's about a little girl that is always basically trying to look on the bright side. And she lives in a town where the people are basically completely the opposite. In fact, she's so kind of perky and, and so positive about things that they get kind of irritated with her. And at one point, somebody says something like this. They say, oh, sunshine and flowers, hearts and roses. Is that all you ever think about? Is anything you ever think about anything but positive? Because of the popularity of that story and of that movie that came out by Disney, I think it was in around 1960, so it's an older movie. But because of the popularity of that movie, that term Pollyanna has actually come to describe somebody who is pretty positive no matter what the situation is. Now, that's in a positive way. But in a negative way, it's come, it's become sort of a derogatory sort of mark to say about somebody that, you know what, you just don't pay attention. When things are hard, you're just so, you try to be so optimistic, but you're actually being naive and you're refusing to accept reality. That's kind of a negative connotation when people say, oh, you're such a Pollyanna. Okay, it can mean, it can either mean you've got a very positive attitude or it can mean you're kind of naive and simplistic when things are really kind of difficult. You know, some Christians think that that second description, that naive description, is how we're supposed to be as followers of Jesus. There are some Christians who believe that no matter how bad the situation is, no matter what's going on, whether we want to or not, that we're supposed to, that God expects us to smile and act like everything's okay. Even when, in reality, things are definitely not okay. I guess the question I have tonight, and I think maybe we would have, is how does God feel about that? Is that true? Are we supposed to be perky all the time? Are we supposed to be positive all the time? Are we supposed to gloss over things? Are we supposed to slip things under the rug and pretend like they've never happened? Is that how God wants us to face the hard things in our lives? But well, we certainly know from other parts of God's Word, God doesn't want us to be bitter. And God doesn't want us to be wallowing in defeat. But does that mean we're supposed to just pretend that everything is okay and to smile about it? Well, as we continue hope in the midst of hardship, tonight we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 6-9. through 9, And I believe the Lord wants to teach us through these verses tonight how we can face trials in our lives. So let's read that 1 Peter 1, verse 6. It says, In this you greatly rejoice. Even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. Amen. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Tonight I want to think about when you go through difficulties in your life, how are you supposed to deal with that as a follower of Jesus? And these verses tell us, first of all in verse 6, that trials should not steal our joy. Look at verse 6. He says, In this you greatly rejoice. 
Now, as soon as I read that, in this you greatly rejoice. We're talking about trials. Some of you say, okay, there you go, Pastor Robbie. That means we are supposed to smile. We are supposed to pretend like everything's okay, even when it's not. Well, not so fast. Look at what it says in verse 6. The first part of verse 6, it says, in this you greatly rejoice. You should be asking yourself when you read that verse, okay? I want to teach you as you read God's Word how to look for things. You should be asking yourself, he says, in this you greatly rejoice. You should be saying to yourself, in what? In what should I greatly rejoice? In the problem? In the trial that I'm going through? Is that what he's saying? No, if you were here last time, you know, we talked about it last week. We talked about what that this is last time. The verses that we're looking at today are in the middle of a section of verses where God tells us what he's done for us. Remember last week's message was our great salvation. Do you remember what it was? Our great salvation. Our salvation means we've been born again. Our salvation means we've got a living hope. Our salvation means we've got this incredible inheritance waiting for us. And it's an inheritance that no one can ever come and steal from you. It's an inheritance that cannot be tainted or will not decay in any way or, or will not fall apart or ever lose its luster. It's, a, it's, a, it's an inheritance that's being reserved for you and you're being reserved for it. It's an inheritance that right now almost right at the door, is ready to be revealed, but Jesus has to come back first before you can fully receive all that God has for you. That's what we talked about. And that's what he says here. In these verses, he says, in this, in this great salvation, you can greatly rejoice. No matter whether you're going through a trial, or no matter whether things are going great in your life, you have something amazing to rejoice in. Listen to how that word, how the, how many have described that word, that phrase, greatly rejoice. Somebody said, it's a joy with strong end in sight implications. What it's saying is, it's a joy that's looking beyond where I am right now and is looking ahead to something I have in the future. Somebody else said, it's a joy that's out of this world. That's a pretty good way of putting it, amen? It's a joy that's out of this world. It's amazing. It, it's something beyond what we can have in this world, and it's something that's going to be experienced really to the fullest extent after this life is over. Somebody else said, this is somebody who is happy in a profoundly spiritual sense rather than in a temporal or circumstantial sense. And it carries the idea of continual exuberance. That's another word. I mean, this is overflowing joy. It's a very strong, very vibrant, very hopeful word. It means great joy, overwhelming exuberance, ecstatic happiness. Someone said about this, while we may not be able to rejoice as we look around at our trials, we can rejoice as we look ahead at the promises that God has made to us. Amen? Friend, don't don't take this joy emphasis like many Christians have. It's not saying that you should say tonight, oh, as a Christian, I have to try really hard to feel good when things are bad. That's the way many Christians have taken this. This means that I have to try really hard to be really enthusiastic, and that's why many Christians come to church with a smile on their face, but hurt in their heart. Amen? Okay, that's not what God's saying to us. God does not want us to be hypocritical. God does not want us to be uh, presenting one thing on the outside when something else is happening on the inside. No, what this is saying is, when you're hurting, put your focus on what Christ has done for you. 
And then, no matter what is going on, you have access to a joy that is beyond this world. A joy that cannot be taken away, no matter what is happening in your life. And I hope somebody in this room has experienced it before. Amen? Have you ever been going, have you ever gone through something in your life that was almost breathtaking, overwhelming, but you still in the midst of that? Would you give testimony tonight that I have experienced even when I shouldn't have had peace, that God gave me a peace in my heart. God even at times gave me a joy in my heart that did not make sense when I looked at my circumstances, but I know came from Him. Amen, anybody? How do we face trials? We face them with the confidence that they do not have to rob us from the joy that God wants to give us because we have our hope in Him. I wonder tonight, is that something that somebody in this room needs to ask God to give you? And you know what? Part of the reason we come to church, part of the reason we read God's Word is because God reveals things to us that I would not find on my own. Amen? I don't know about you, but in the middle of difficulty, I'm not looking for overwhelming exuberance. Amen? (laughs) Okay, so tonight, to realize that in Christ, and again, let's don't take it the wrong direction. Many Christians take this as guilt and, oh, I'm supposed to be doing better. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying, do you know what's available to you? What is available to you is in the midst of your difficulty, God wants to overcome that where you can greatly rejoice in spite of your circumstances. Trials should not steal our joy, but also trials, good news here, they don't last forever. And anybody say amen? I hope so, amen? Look at what it says. He says, in this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. The problem with hard things in our lives, in our lives, are that at best, they're uncomfortable, and at worst, they're extremely painful, aren't they? And many times, in the middle of that difficulty, we're left wondering, God, how long is this going to last? Amen, anybody? God, is this going to go on forever Is this going to define my life? Is this just going to be my experience for the rest of my existence? Now, I don't want to minimize the struggle that you're facing, but I do want to encourage you today. Listen, friend, be encouraged today. If you have put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are going to have an existence one day that is so going to outlast this thing you're going through that that discomfort or even that pain that you're experiencing will be a distant and faded memory compared with all that God has for you in eternity. And we ought to say, Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Amen? My son Drew, just last year, just last fall, I think it was, began learning how to ride a bike without training wheels. And I remember the first few days that he was trying, I mean, he was determined. I mean, he was, I was proud of him. He, you know, he'd get on that bike every day and he'd go a little while and he'd fall off and he'd, he'd bump his, uh, bump his knees and scrape his elbows and, and every once in a while he'd have to take a break and go in the house and then, you know, he'd wait a day or two or, and he'd come back and, and you could see he was just determined. And, but I, I remember him just saying, Daddy, you know, how many tries is it going to take? But finally he got it. And I want to tell you, this spring, he's riding around like crazy. Like he never even knew what training wheels were. Now, just a few months prior to now, Drew was bumping his knees and his elbows. He was frustrated. He was a little confused. And now he's having so much fun, he can't even remember 
not being able to ride without training wheels. And I think about myself. I'm sure I had trouble learning how to ride a bike. I'm sure that that was the case. But you know what? It's been so long ago, and I've gone so much beyond training wheels most of the time. <laughs> I've gone, I mean... I've ridden motorcycles. I've ridden four-wheelers. I've been on boats. I've been on airplanes to other countries. Man, I'm so far beyond training wheels in so many ways, I don't even remember it anymore. Now, I wouldn't have insulted Drew on the day he got hurt by saying, hey, buddy, one day you won't, re- you won't even remember it. Be encouraged, okay? I wouldn't have insulted him by doing that. If you're going through pain, it's painful, amen? And we're going to talk about that more here in just a minute. But I do want to give you hope in the context of your total existence in this universe. This thing that is so troubling you is not going to define you forever. Isn't that good news? Do you even remember taking the training wheels off? You are so far beyond that. You have gone... It's not even close, is it? You you have gone thousands of miles beyond your driveway. It doesn't even really matter in terms of who you are today, does it? I hope that encourages you. Peter says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now, for a little while, you've been distressed by, by various trials. Then he says something in between that, though. He says trials are, though, sometimes necessary for our lives. How do we deal with trials? We need to know those trials do not have to, of necessity, take away the joy that we have, take away our uh, enjoyment of this life, of our existence here on this earth. We can be encouraged tonight that they are not going to last forever, but we need to know that sometimes they are necessary. He says it there in that verse. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. Now, I don't know about you, but my first reaction would be, well, does it have to be necessary? <laughs> Amen? I mean, I'm not a glutton for punishment. How about you? I'm not looking for any pain. I'm not. I hear some Christians foolishly say, bring it on, I'm ready. I'm trusting God. Are you kidding me? Don't bring it on to me. Amen? <laughs> I'm thinking, can I opt out? You know, is there a check mark where you say, on my Christian application, I'm giving my life to Jesus, but I'd rather not do the pain part. I'd rather just not do that, Lord. Amen? Why on earth, I would think, would it be remotely necessary for me to go through these trials? Write this down, first of all. God's plan is not finished. Friends, listen, sometimes we try to figure out everything. You know what the reality is? Sometimes we just live in a messed up world. Amen? We live in a fallen world. This world is not right. It is broken. It's not fixed yet. And you and I have to live in it. Until it gets fixed, things are going to happen. It's necessary for some reason. God and His plan has not decided to wrap this thing up yet. Now, we've said, as we look at God's Word, as we see the signs of the times, it looks like the drum roll's happening, okay? So, so in that sense, we need to be ready. But in another sense, we can be encouraged, can't we? Okay, it looks like God is wrapping this thing up in this world. But for whatever reason, as of this moment, that ending has not yet come. And by the way, 
As I look at God's word, I seem to find a couple of indicators clearly in God's word. And certainly from God's heart, we can we can deduce this. The primary reason, one of the primary reasons that God is waiting to finish up his work in this world is because there are still people who have not yet given their lives to him. Now, friend, I want to tell you what, that gives me motivation. When I complain, when I'm griping, when I don't like it because this or that or whatever's happened in the world, when I think to myself, okay, Robbie, when I hear the Lord kind of say to me, okay, Robbie, what if I call it all quits today? Everybody who doesn't know me will be separated from me forever. That kind of helps me to put up with a little hardship just a little while longer. God would say to us, trust me. This has to happen the way that it's happening right now, but I have a plan and it's going to be finished soon. Just trust me. Secondly, God may be working in somebody else's life. Sometimes God may be doing his work in someone else's life and that person happens to be connected with your life and your life is impacted by some of the things that are happening because of what he's doing in their life. And I believe tonight God would just say to you, same as we were just saying, hey, I've got to have perspective. God is working in this world outside of me. Amen? That may be a good lesson for some of us to learn. God has other people he's working in. He's got a bigger plan that he's working out. And I need to be patient. If there's someone in my life that God's trying to do his work in, that he would just say to me, Robbie, trust me. I need to do my work in their life. I know that's presenting some problems in your life. But I haven't forgotten about you. I haven't left you. I'm going to protect you. One day I'm going to deliver you. Just let me finish what I'm doing in their life. Sometimes it is necessary for us to go through trials, isn't it? Because it's something God needs to do in someone else's life. But you know what? Sometimes God does want to do something in our life. That's the third thing. God may be growing you. (laughs) Who's ever heard no pain, no gain? Okay. All right. I heard a trainer once say, if you want to build muscle, you've got to put stress on it. Okay. Now, God does not sin. The Bible makes it very clear. God does not use, God does not make sin happen for his purposes. But God can take the bad, hard things of this world and turn them around into spiritual bodybuilding for us. By the way, I just think that makes him even more victorious. Amen. I mean, the negative, the, the wrong things that happen in this world, somehow you are going to praise him one day. Somehow God totally turned everything around for his glory and for his purposes. It's going to be awesome. Amen? Somehow God takes those things in this world, and if we put our trust in him, he uses those things to build muscle in our lives. I want to give you a couple verses. Romans chapter 5, verses 3 through 5. In Romans 5, verse 3, it says, And not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulation brings about perseverance. That sounds like bodybuilding, doesn't it? Tribulation, that stress, those trials, that testing, brings about perseverance. I used to want to give up so easily, amen? But having been through some trials in my life, I've learned, hey, I can't give up that easily. I need to trust God, amen? So I'm able to go longer in some ways, and I need to grow in a lot of other ways, but I'm able to go longer with some things that I used to not trust God in because I've been through some of those difficulties. Tribulation brings about perseverance, and perseverance, proven character. And proven character, hope. And hope does not disappoint, amen? Because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Let me read to you also out of James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. 
In James 1, verse 2, it says, Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. Knowing, okay, I can have joy when I go through difficulty in my life, not because I like the difficulty, but because I trust in a good God who has not forsaken me, who is guiding every step of my life, who I can trust Him no matter what my circumstances. And so I can have joy when I encounter various trials, knowing that the testing, the trying of your faith produces endurance. There it is again, isn't it? God is building spiritual muscle in your life. And he says, and let endurance have its perfect or or complete result so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. God is training you. God is using those things in your life sometimes to grow you into the person that he's created you to be. I want to tell you from my own experience. I have never, I never knew what it was like to be challenged or stressed until I became a pastor. Okay. I mean, but I also have to tell you, I have grown more serving the Lord in this way than any other point in my life. Am I looking for problems? No, thank you. (laughs) Okay. If you're raising your hand, you can sign up for all mine. Amen. I've had my share, but sometimes they are necessary. Let me put it a couple of different ways. Many times, is it not true, I do not turn to God until things get hard. I wish that wasn't true. Amen? I wish that wasn't true. I want to grow so it won't be true. Because I don't want God to have to allow things to happen in my life to draw my attention to Him that would be difficult to go through. But sometimes, and you know what? This is a difficult pill to swallow, but sometimes it is worth it to God that you go through something that you're not comfortable with because He knows the greater good and the greater glory that's going to come out of that at the end. That's tough, isn't it? Do you trust Him? Many times I don't trust him until times are hard. And many times, I wish this wasn't true, but it seems to be. I have learned things about God in the midst of difficulty that I never knew about him before. Let me just give you just a little different one that you may not think of. A few years ago, I remember going through something difficult. And and, and we're going to talk more about something similar in just a moment, but... A few years ago, I was going through something difficult. And and you know what? I realized for the first time, Jesus paid for this. I had not understood how much Jesus had suffered on the cross for my sins. But he paid for that thing that I was struggling with. And that began to say to me, oh, wow, God, I am hurting so bad, so badly. If I'm hurting this badly because of this struggle in my life, you felt that. He didn't feel something like that. He felt that for me. Are you serious, Jesus? I never knew you paid this much. Do you understand what I'm saying? And even though I didn't like it, even though I didn't want it, it made me love him more. Because I began to realize a little bit better the price that he had paid for me. In Philippians chapter 3, uh, verses, um, verse 10, the Apostle Paul said this. He says, I want to know Him. I want to know Christ. And I want to know the power of His resurrection. And I don't understand this, friends, but he says, I want to know the fellowship of His sufferings. 
And, and that's that's kind of what I was just describing to you. I think that's what God helped me to realize in that intense struggle that I was going through. I was beginning to have a little bit more understanding of what Christ did for my life. Not that God's trying to hurt me. Not that God's trying to make it hard on me. Not that God's trying to, to uh, make me pay a little bit for salvation too. No, that's not at all. What did we sing that song just a moment ago? Jesus paid it all. It is finished. There is nothing else that needs to be done for our salvation. Praise His name. Fourth thing is trials can be very difficult, can't they? The Bible's honest. Look at uh, verse uh, the end of verse 6. He says, In this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials. You know, I appreciate the fact that some Christians are, are concerned about focusing on their self. I appreciate that, that some Christians want to be careful about complaining. I appreciate that, that many Christians want to be a good example to other people. And all those things are good things. But sometimes Christians are so sensitive about not focusing on themselves, not complaining, or being a good witness to other people, that they don't ever feel comfortable talking about difficult things in their own lives. But we need to realize that God wants us to acknowledge that I have problems. Amen? I have pain. I have difficulty. And when you have pain, when you have difficulty in your life, I should not minimize your pain. In fact, sometimes when people, they get together, Christians get together, and sometimes when they do that, there's somebody hurting and they're sharing with somebody else. And sometimes Christians can give such easy answers. You know what sometimes we ought to do? Sometime we just ought to say, I am so sorry for you. You know what? That was really rotten what that person did to you. That was really not right what happened to you. It is bad. We're going to call it what it is. God calls it what it is. Sometimes we should say that. I, I knew one strong Christian once that every time I ever asked him, how are you doing? He'd say, oh, fine, just fine. How are you? And then he'd launch into just talking about me and my life. I just want to stop him sometimes and say, I want to really know. I know you're not always just fine. I want to really know, how are you doing? But he wouldn't let me do it. And I don't know why I'm not judging him. I'm just saying we've got to be careful as Christians that we don't think that we always have to put on this nice face. Sometimes it's hard. And we should say it's hard. Peter says, listen, sometimes... You have been distressed. You have been sorrowed. You have been grieved by various trials. These people apparently, we talked about they were going through persecution for being a follower of Christ, but it wasn't just a persecution for their faith. He says you've been through, and the word that he uses is multicolored. He says you've been through all kinds of problems. And apparently, what Peter was acknowledging in this passage is that those problems had really hurt. They were Christians, they were trying to trust God, they were trying to be obedient and to be faithful to Him through all those things, but He acknowledged, you know what, some of those things were hurtful, weren't they? They were difficult, they were bad, they shouldn't have happened. It's sad, it's, it's unjust that some of those things happened. The word that's used here for grieved is the same word, amazing, it was amazing to me when I understood this, the same word that Jesus used for His grief in the garden. It says, and he took, Matthew 26, verse 37, and he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee and began to be grieved 
and distress. Then he said to them, My soul is deeply grieved to the point of death. Remain here and keep watch with me. Now that sounds like pretty serious hurt, doesn't it? Trials, while we can have great victory, overwhelming victory over them, can be difficult. And one of the things we need to do is to be willing to admit, you know, right now things are really tough. Or you know what? What you just shared with me, wow, that is a really difficult situation. And my heart goes out to you. Christian, don't diminish your pain. Don't diminish somebody else's pain. Don't give easy answers. Many times we do try to give easy answers and we shouldn't. Here's what I'd say. Don't minimize the hurt, but do maximize the Savior. Okay? And they're not mutually exclusive. We don't have to minimize the pain that they're going through. It is wrong. It is bad. It is hurtful. I feel for you. My heart goes out to you. We need to do a lot more listening than talking sometimes, especially on the front end. And when God gives the opportunity, do maximize Him, but don't discount their pain. Peter acknowledges, you know what, when you're facing trials, it's okay to say, no, it hurt. It was, it, was, it was tough. We've been through a tough time, but we're trusting God. Amen? Let me give you the last thing here in verses 7 through 9. Trials can bring God great glory. Let me go ahead and read it first. It says, so that in this you greatly rejoice, even though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been distressed by various trials, so that the proof of your faith being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining as the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. I just want to share with you, before I talk about these verses, what I'm about to share with you when I first realized it was major revolutionary for me. Let me tell you why. What is one of the primary things, what's one of the primary questions that we ask when we go through a difficult thing in our life? Isn't it why? Isn't it? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Why are you not helping me, God? What is why? What is the why question? We are looking for a what? A purpose, aren't we? What is the reason for this? It helps so much, many times, doesn't it? Just to know the purpose. I mean, I can go through difficult things if I have an idea of where this is headed, right? Okay, is this just arbitrary? I mean, if I just have a vision for, okay, what's what's happening here? And you know what? Sometimes God does give us the purpose. Sometimes God gives us the purpose in the middle of the trial. Sometimes God gives us the answer right after that. We say, oh, that's what that was for. Sometimes it may be years later. But many times, I'm sorry. I just don't see a good purpose. I just cannot find... I'm trying. God, I'm trying, but I cannot see a good purpose for this. Have you ever been there? God, I have to tell you, I am working hard, but I see no redeeming value. From my perspective, this problem in my life, it's random, it's out of left field, it's arbitrary, it's not deserved, it's serving no good purpose in my life or anybody else's. 
What do I do with that? You ever been there? Well, I used to think, grin and bear it. Trust God. Just fight your way through trusting God until I found these verses. Look at verse 7. In this, friend, let God's work begin to well up in your heart. In this, you can greatly rejoice, even though for a little while, if it's necessary, you've got to be distressed by various trials, but this sounds like it's beginning to be the focus of this passage. In this, you greatly rejoice. He says, all that, so that, that sounds like a what statement? A purpose statement. So that the proof of your faith, being more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, and some of us say amen to that, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. My faith might be tested like gold that's being refined of impurities in a fire, but that has a purpose. And don't miss this. If I have no other good reason to trust my Lord and to and to trust that there is a purpose and a plan in this, I use this as my purpose. When Jesus comes back one day, when it begins to be revealed that his children, he was of the kind of God, he was so awesome, he was so majestic, he was so trustworthy, that his children would trust him even if they didn't have the answer. He's going to get applause. We're going to say what an amazing God he is that his followers, his children, would trust him even when they didn't know why. That gives me a purpose to hang on to. Listen, friend, I want God to get all the glory. Not one ounce less than he deserves. Amen? Hey, listen. Listen, as you're going through that difficult time in your life, listen, there are so many components to that, and I'm so, I feel so inadequate talking about difficult things in people's lives because I have no clue what's going on in your life. But I can have the confidence that I'm giving you God's Word, and I hope it's coming in a way that God can use it. Bless you, not discourage you, okay? But today I want to say to you, no matter what is going on in your life, in this you can greatly rejoice. You are more than a conqueror through Christ. Would you accept that by faith? And would you, if you need that purpose, if you need something to hold on to God, would you just show me what this is about? Is it okay with you that God would work through this, that he would receive great glory one day because you were willing to trust him through it? I grab hold of that one. Many times, I don't have a clue why. But I say, God, I refuse to allow the enemy one ounce of victory. God, I want to trust you because I can't wait to hear the standing ovation. You are an awesome God. And I will say it today, paying it in advance for that day. Amen? I want to clap for him now. Amen? He is an awesome God. He deserves our worship, our allegiance today. 
And these precious words at the end, I love it. It says, and though you have not seen him, you love him. And my heart just wants to say amen to that. I do. I love him. How about you? And though you do not see him now, but believe you trust in him, do you? Do you trust in him? It says, though you do not see him now, but believe in him, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. There has been the testimony of Christians, faithful Christians throughout history, who they could not take their joy away. No matter what man does to me, when I have the joy of the Lord in my heart and my life, it cannot be taken away by anyone else. By no circumstance. You greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory. Obtaining is the outcome. What's the end? What's going to happen? What are you going to get? You're going to be saved. You're going to heaven one day. Again, I'm very careful to not be Pollyanna. Okay? We're going to play the glad game. We're just going to be glad. <laughs> well, that's not what God's saying to us, is it? We can have joy. But He acknowledges that there are difficult things going on in our lives. The real question that comes out of these verses are, will you trust Him through that problem? You know, my heart goes out to some Christians here in this room tonight. You gave your life to Jesus Christ. And you meant that, and He meant that, and you're a child of His. But following Him has led you down paths that you hadn't anticipated. Amen? And some of that right now might be a little bit painful. Do you trust Him? Do you trust the Lord? Has He shown Himself trustworthy? Would you say, Lord, would just be honest with Him. God, this hurts. I don't like it. It's making me uncomfortable. It's painful. God, please help me. Read the Psalms, by the way, if you're in that place. The honesty of a person that wants to stay faithful to God, but is just crying out to God in pain. God, help me. I don't understand. I'm confused. Just like that song that the worship team led us in. Isn't that what they're saying? God, I feel like I'm lost. And have Jesus come and rescue you. Say, I never left you. I'm here with you and I am mighty to save. Just as mighty as the day I saved you from your sins, I want to rescue you from this problem. Do you trust Him today, Christian? Is He worthy? Are you in this room tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ? Friend, I pray, I, I don't want to dump this on you, but I, but I pray just for your own good that tonight you would feel the weight of carrying your own soul. Nobody can do that. Nobody can carry our own sins. Nobody can carry the burden of making things right in my life. And tonight, I pray that you would just feel that burden. And you know what? That you would feel it to such an extent that you would finally give up. Because we don't give up very easily, do we? I don't know about you. I'm hard-headed. Please, no amens. All right. All right. I'm hard-headed. I will fight. I will fight. I will fight. Sometimes I just have to say to the Lord, God, I give. I give. I surrender to you. Tonight, would you quit holding on so tight? And would you just release your life to God? Would you release your home to God? Would you release your kids to God? Would you release your marriage to God? Would you release your soul to God and give your life to Jesus Christ?
We're all going to face problems. Do you have hope in the midst of that difficulty?